Good morning. Welcome to Alternative News. I'm your host, Zachary Doney, hospitality worker, CICD member, and welfare recipient. Alternative News is produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament on the Stolen Lands of the Wurundjeri People. Alternative News is broadcast on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're going to have a look at the welfare response to coronavirus. We're going to discuss some shifts in expenditure and have a quick look at sanctions during the time of COVID-19. To housing. States are beginning to roll out the legislature to enforce the eviction moratorium, which was proposed by the National Cabinet earlier this month. Victoria has put aside $500 million to assist landlords during the pandemic. Renters in dire straits can apply to have $2,000 given straight to their landlord as long as the renter has less than $5,000 in savings and rent makes up at least 30% of their income. This is another example of the poor and marginalised not being allowed to have savings, which disability activists have been bringing to our attention for a long time. Trades Hall has launched WeAreRenters.org.au and the IWW organised rent strike continues. WeAreRenters.org.au is collecting stories about renting during the time of COVID-19. These stories will be used to inform the approaches to the government from the union sector. So far, the Victorian Trades Hall Council has sent a letter to Marlene Kairouz, the Victorian Minister for Consumer Affairs, calling for immediate action to protect residential renters in Victoria. Messaging from the government at this time is focused on unity. Education Minister Dan Tian told international students, quote, You are our friends, our classmates, our colleagues and members of our community, unquote. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg said, quote, We have a responsibility as a country to look after our fellow Australian, regardless of their age, regardless of their income, regardless of their background, unquote. This is all being said while 1.1 million casual workers are left out of JobKeeper and 1.1 million migrant workers are left out of JobKeeper and JobSeeker. So let's take a look at some of the numbers involved in JobKeeper. JobKeeper amounts to $1,500 per fortnight before tax, which is about $3,000 per month, roughly. The projected costs are currently $133 billion before tax. This works out to $18,000 per eligible recipient over the six-month term for which JobKeeper will be available. This works out to about 7.4 million workers, 7.4 million JobKeeper recipients. Currently, there are 2.2 million workers missing out on JobKeeper, to provide JobKeeper for them, assuming none of them can access JobSeeker, which is not correct, but for the sake of the exercise, we will calculate a higher figure than in reality. This would cost a further $40 billion for a total estimated projected cost of $173 billion. We could provide JobKeeper to just under 10 million workers. And yes, this money would mean the economy takes more of a hit or whatever, but this money is social spending. The great majority of this money goes back into the economy in the form of subsistence spending. Food, clothing, shelter, etc. The people as a whole bear the brunt of this spending into the future. 
and this increased cost is managed by whatever government is in power. The alternative is we have increased poverty, deprivation, and the division between the Australian haves and the migrant have-nots in society. The economic effects of these impacts are very hard to measure. Suffice it to say that this is a negative outcome for civil society. The division between the Australian haves and the migrant have-nots in society is imposed in economics by an uncaring ruling class. If we are looking for some extra money to extend JobKeeper to the workers currently left behind, then let's scrap the $1.1 billion expansion to the Tyndall Royal Australian Air Force Base in the Northern Territory. This expansion only exists to appease the United States of America. We're paying for the US to house their strategic bombers in our country. Let's also nix the $80 billion submarine project, which is already subject to delays, and the first submarines aren't projected to be delivered until 2035. 15 years of waiting for some war toys for the boys? War toys which are largely constructed and maintained in France by the French Naval Group? No, I think not. Let's have less poverty, less homelessness, and less precarity in our communities right now. If we want a better Australia, then people inside Australia's borders must be accounted and provided for. When the recession turns into depression, when we're forced to have bad lives for 10 years because the ruling class couldn't push the desires of the market below the capacity for the state to accommodate its populace, we won't be able to eat submarines or use them to bolster our economy. A $40 billion provision to provide JobKeeper to 2.2 million extra workers is a drop in the bucket of the economic response to coronavirus. This drop in the bucket feeds, waters, and homes 2.2 million people, rather than, in the case of the submarines, representing 50% of the cost of the design and construction of 12 boats by the French. The penny-pinching in the response to the COVID-19 pandemic, must stop. Military expenditure must be shifted to social expenditure. I don't believe the cost of our national debt to be greater than the cost of the impoverishment of our nation's working class. Military spending should be redirected to social spending. During the current crisis, we need more social spending, not more bombing platforms. If there is a war on coronavirus, if the essential workers are heroes and not just human sacrifices to the economy, then we need to stop imagining that we're also at war with certain countries in West Asia, notably Iran. Obviously, we wouldn't be messing around sending our ships and aircraft to gulfs in the Middle East if we weren't obsessed with playing deputy sheriff for the United States of America. If Australia is a sovereign nation, then we should be able to tell the US... No, a brief look at our history shows the ruling class of our country to be incapable of this. The idea of national security extends beyond the military interests of the state. National security should start with the interests of the people of a nation. The interests of the people of Australia are not the interests of the ruling class of Australia, or the United States for that matter. Our interests do not lie in the purchase of F-35 Joint Strike fighter jets or murdering civilians in Afghanistan. Our interests lie in knowing that we have a stable roof over our heads during the pandemic, and so do our friends.
There cannot be a secure state if there are not secure people who reside under the state. If the people are insecure, then why would they support the goals of the state? Please reflect on this in your own time. Sinophobia in the time of COVID-19. Anecdotal reports of an increase of experienced racism from ethnically Asian people are on the rise in this time. Check in on your mates. Let them know you're paying attention. And please, in your activities during this time, counter any racism that you might see on the streets or online. And just a quick note on sinophobia and the coronavirus. Anti-Chinese sentiment has no place in our analysis of our government's response to the virus. The speculation around the idea that the virus was manufactured and intentionally or unintentionally released are distractions from our own government's response to the virus. To conclude this segment, I'm proud to announce the CICD's Clown of the Week segment. This week, the prestigious award goes to the Committee for the Present Danger, China. This Cold War era body has been resurrected by alt-right darling Steve Bannon and neoconservative Frank Gaffney. This is one of the sources of the anti-China talking points we're hearing from our governments. From the Guiding Principles section of their website, quote, There is no hope of coexistence with China as long as the Communist Party governs the country. We seek China's peaceful evolution into a nation that respects the rule of law and individual human rights, instead of threatening its own people as well as others. End quote. Let's quickly examine this point on human rights. China is a signatory to the covenant of economic human rights, whereas the USA and the UK and Australia and the rest of the West are signatories to the covenant of civil and political human rights. The civil and political human rights covenant is good in that anyone can come on 3CR and insult the government over its lack of provision of affordable housing, which has produced a homelessness crisis in the lucky country. The economic covenant is good in that it provides homes. This quote, independent and non-partisan, unquote, think tanks, which purports to take, quote, no ideological point of view, unquote, in fact will only rest when the CPC has been removed from power in the People's Republic of China. Congratulations to the Committee for the Present Danger, China. For these statements and more, you have received a place in the Clown Hall of Fame. Thank you for listening. Stage three restrictions of movement in Victoria have been successful in flattening the curve of the infection rates, with infection rates in the single digits for a week now. These restrictions have also been used to arbitrarily shut down political activity by certain groups of people, notably Refugee Action Collective members who organised a car convoy protest to draw attention to the plight of the refugees currently held inside the Mantra Hotel in Preston. This campaign for international cooperation and disarmament calls for the $26,652 fines for breaking the safety restrictions to be waived and for the charges levelled against protest organiser Chris Breen to be dropped. To conclude, JobKeeper should be extended to cover the 2.2 million workers currently left behind. Restrictions of movement should not be used arbitrarily to stamp down on political protest. 
In this time of global crisis, the need for the end to war continues. On the 23rd of March, the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres called for a global ceasefire. Continuing war will hinder the health response to the coronavirus and the economic recovery to the same. On the topic of war, we turn to sanctions in the time of COVID-19. It is the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament's position that sanctions are designed to promote the full extent of US foreign policy goals, and on that basis, all sanctions should be lifted forever. During the time of COVID-19, this demand increases in necessity. The death toll in Iran was 5,391 at the time of writing, while the US blocks medical devices and equipment from getting to Iran. US sanctions have exacerbated the impact of coronavirus in Iran. For the past nine years, the US, EU and a raft of other countries, including Australia, have imposed and increased the severity of sanctions on Syria, ostensibly to forge Bashar al-Assad's hand and somehow have him dissolve the government of Syria. The sanctions are aimed at forcing regime change, as they are wherever they are applied. What sanctions actually do is impede, aim and harm the populace of Syria. This immiserates the people and causes great social harm. Some of the generated unrest is levelled against the incumbent government, sure. We can see this in the membership of the Free Syrian Army as well as al-Nusra Front and ISIS. We must remember, the enemy of my enemy is not my friend. And this applies to everyone. So, al-Assad's enemies in Syria are not our friends here in Australia, or the friends of the United States for that matter. They are, in many cases, terrorists who despise the West as well as the Syrian government. For clarity, I want to add that Assad is no enemy to the people of Australia. The line that alleged rights violations can be addressed with sanctions is a political lie designed to deceive the naive. Embarrassingly, the lie seems to be effective. The CICD condemns the sanctions levelled against Syria. Thanks for tuning in to Alternative News this week. We'll be back next Sunday at 9.15am. Alternative News is produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. You can find us at cicd.org.au and on Facebook. Alternative News is broadcast on 3CR 855am, 3CR Digital and streaming online at 3cr.org.au. I've been Zachary Doney. Thanks for listening. Next up is The Concrete Game.